Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood. On Instagram, IGJHood as we broadcast live. From our first Midwest Bank Studios. On the show tonight, we'll get a chance to hear from Michelle Steele, who covers sports like a blanket for ESPN. We'll get her thoughts about what I consider the hottest video on ESPN, and that is the video of Tim Anderson. It's on theundefeated.com. If you haven't seen it, go to theundefeated.com. She narrates a great video about White Sox infielder Tim Anderson. So we'll hear from Michelle coming up at the bottom of the hour. Also, summer football stories of... um, either fantasy, either college, or either pro every night at 8 o'clock, summer of football right here on ESPN 1000. Tonight's guest, friend of the program, Mark Packer. Uh, Mark Packer will be part of the new ACC network that will be on television here this um, late summer, early fall. So we'll hear from Mark Packer coming up and get his thoughts on college football. If I said Clemson or the field for the national championship, which one would he take? We're going to find out coming up at 8.15 right here on ESPN 1000. Summer football, we'll have some Bears conversation, but definitely some college conversation as well with Mark Packer. We have Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. And also when the Cubs game goes final, as the Cubs take on the Philadelphia Phillies, it's not going well uh, at Citizens Bank Ballpark for the Cubs as they're down against the Phillies. We'll hear from Jesse Rogers at the bottoms of the hour. Um, we'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the Cubs as they underachieve again against the Phillies. Again, he'll, his updates will be with us at the bottoms of the hour right here. And we'll have a postgame show, uh, if applicable, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Because again, it's baseball. 
we have built in a nice half hour, 45 minute post game show, but you never know. It's baseball. 312 332 ESPN is our phone number. Hope that you enjoyed your Wednesday. Hope that you enjoy your Wednesday night. As I keep you company until 10 o'clock, then it's Dan Lebertard and Stugatz right here on ESPN 1000. So let me start here. There was a column that was written on ESPN.com from Kelly Cohen. And the piece is entitled, Kids Aren't Playing Enough Sports, The Culprit Cost. Now, let me just kind of delve into this column because she told a story about a kid named Malachi. And her, his mom's name is Marcy, Marcy Barnett, 70-year-old Malachi. And it's a mom that's really into her son playing sports. During the summer in Washington, D.C., he participates in just about every recreational sport. Basketball, soccer, flag, football, sailing, tennis, swimming, golf. He's also tried ice hockey and ping pong and pole vaulting. And Kelly asked in the piece, anyone else tired of reading that list? Yeah, it's a huge list. There's no question about it. But um, Barnett wants her son to have fun and burn off his ample energy. Uh, but there's more to it. She spends time researching what she calls quality programs, activities that display tangible evidence that he is learning valuable life lessons, such as respect, teamwork, and even basic social skills. But if you go into this column even further and you kind of delve into what this piece is about on ESPN.com, the Aspen Institute found that the average amount of spending on sports was approximately $692. That's per child, per sport, and per year. So the annual spending, the average annual spending per child, per sport, listen to this. In baseball, and think about if you have someone that is playing youth baseball, um, $659.96 for a child, again, playing baseball, that's how much it costs, for basketball, it's $426.78. For bicycling, it's a little higher. It's over $1,000, $1,111.61. And I look at some of these sports that's listed in this piece. It talks about cross country, that's 420 bucks, and flag football, 268 and tackle football, 484 and golf, up to $925. But the eye-popping numbers on this sheet that we have in front of us, is the average annual spending per sport per child for field hockey, $2,124.62. For ice hockey, $2,500. For lacrosse, $1,200. For skiing and snowboarding, it's about $2,300 on the average. And for tennis, it's about $1,700. Other sports... Outside of the ones I mentioned, it's about $1,200. So further, the average household income of respondents to this Aspen Institute survey was $90,908. That's a number that's significantly higher than the U.S. average of $59,000. As we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It cites other stories of parents trying to figure out financially how they can be able to afford their child playing sports. And so kids aren't playing enough sports. Is that the culprit or is it the cost? I asked the question on Facebook and I will ask you because I want to talk to you if you have kids or 
if you have young kids in your family, I want to talk to you about this particular topic because there's two schools of thought here when it comes to this. See, I would throw myself in the conversation as someone that when I was a kid, yeah, I grew up as a Gen Xer on the south side of Chicago. And yeah, it was all about spending as much time outside as possible to get away from my grandparents or, or whoever, just to be able to be with my friends playing sports. There's no doubt about that. That's just kind of the way things were when I was growing up uh, in the uh, mid to late 70s, going out and having a fun time playing baseball, playing piggy, which was a softball game and playing football. Those are things that we did a lot on the south side when I was growing up. Uh, in Calumet Heights. But the thing is, is that I understand even at that time, you start to see video games start to work its way in. Now, they might be primitive video games versus what we see right now. But nevertheless, there was other options. But we chose just to be outside. (laughs) Didn't want to be inside too much. Now, the prevailing theme, and I see this on my Facebook wall, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood, is there are many on my Facebook wall that says that, well, well, kids just don't want to play. So it's saving my pocketbook. It's saving my wallet because today's kids don't want to be able to participate in youth sports. So, Eric, let's open the phone lines on this at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our telephone number. I thought the piece was very interesting. If you have children or if you have young people that are around your family, I want to find out from you how you look at this issue. The question is on the table regarding, again, I thought it was a great piece and it really delved into how much it really costs now. What is the biggest issue with youth sports? Is it the cost or the kids unwilling to participate due to other interests? So you jump in on that. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Um, Because I need to know whether or not you're paying this much for youth sports. Are you paying this much? Because looking at this piece and looking at the average annual spending per sport per child for basketball, for baseball, for golf at $900, for gymnastics at $1,580, for ice hockey at $2,582, for lacrosse at $1,289, I see martial arts at $776. I mean, how how do you look at this? Are, Are there kids in your family that really do want to be part of youth sports is a cost, a problem for you personally, or are kids not willing to play? I'm wondering on both sides, how you look at that issue, because again, using me as an example is, is not necessarily where we are here in 2019. We're talking about a time in the, in the seventies where I love being outside. I love being able to play with my friends and playing sports because we were a community of, Young people that love to go up on Jeffrey and play basketball and being able to play, you know, football or play baseball, softball, whatever, you know, from this time the sun came up almost to the streetlights came on. But it's a different era. In 2019, there are a lot more distractions than ever before. I had to worry about a cell phone. I had to worry about a lot of the distractions we have in 2019. Neither did you. But I'm wondering about your kids, though, or young people in your family. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Um, by the way, this portion of Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Check out their open house this Thursday from 430 to 630. Tell them Tom Waddle sent you and get $50 off. 
I'll read some of the things on the Facebook wall, and I'll get to your phone calls in a moment. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. I'm very curious about what's going on in your backyard regarding youth sports, the cost of youth sports. I know it's going to be enormous, but I'm wondering how much and what sports are your kids involved in, or are your kids even interested in youth sports? Um, So I'm reading from this. um, Justin... Rothman says that costs are a bigger issue to deal with in my house. My 10-year-old son, thankfully, is a sports nut like me. He doesn't spend a lot of time playing video games, but he'll also ask to play catch or shoot hoops, and we spend just as much time doing that as he does playing video games. I don't ever have to tell him, hey, put the controller down and go outside. That's not how I was raised, and neither is he. So that's in Justin Rothman's household. My cousin Wiley checked in. Wiley Johnson says that uh, today's kids don't like to play outside. They literally view uh, being told to go outside as punishment. (laughs) That's from Wiley. Um, And then we get the, see, and and here's where we're going to get this. And and believe me, if you are a Gen Xer or if you are a baby boomer and you look at today's youth as, well, they just don't want to play as a blanket statement, tell me why. Why do you think that's the case? And what is the cost issue when it comes to youth sports as well? So, Greg, here's Greg Prentice. just chimes in, you know, and says, video games keep them in the house. Growing up in the 60s and 70s, we want to play outside and love playing, strike out for hours. Well, I, I understand that, and, and so did I. However, it's, it was really not about my generation as much as what's happening now in 2019. It's a, it's a different time. It's a different era. So let's get your calls in on that. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. What's the biggest issue with youth sports? Is it the cost or kids unwilling to participate due to other interests? What's going on in your backyard when it comes to youth sports? I can go and drive to around where I used to play sports and the grass is across the diamond. It's not, there's no baseball diamond, there's no softball diamond anymore. You still see kids playing basketball. You still see kids, and it, some organized, some unorganized. But the point is, though, is that the idea that no kids are playing sports is not true. Now, organized, listen, there's, there's groups and there's teams I see when I drive past through Hyde Park. I see them practicing in the football fields. I know that they're getting it done, but how much of a liability is that for you having to pay for that? Because I look at these, these numbers, and it's amazing. It's amazing how much that costs. Uh, let's go to the phone lines to talk to you. Let's say hello to Kevin in Lincoln Park with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, let's see. You had to push that up on your end. I can't do it on my end. So Kevin in Lincoln Park is on ESPN 1000. Can't, can't, you can't punch up the calls. We have a, a bank of calls that we can't punch up. I'm trying to reset it. I don't know what's going on. It's amazing. Yeah. If you're on hold, you will be on the air at 312-332-ESPN is our telephone number. Wondering from you, and I'm looking at this, the rest of this on Facebook, facebook.com. Um, Dave says, no matter the sport, there's always a group of parents who think their kids are all going to play on the next level. Oftentimes, these parents are the coaches and uh, board members who run the leagues, which makes it worse. The majority of the kids just want to play. So some thoughts there from Dave. Also, um, Kenny, Kenny jumps in and says that the parents, the coaches and the system 
uh, are the issues here uh, when it comes to youth sports. Um, so it's a really interesting column. If you get a chance to read that, check that out on uh, ESPN.com uh, because I think it's a very interesting column for sure. Um, so let's uh, switch gears here and talk a little bit about Jay-Z because he defends NFL Rock Nation. Um and also talks about Colin Kaepernick. So I saw this earlier today. It's one of the lead stories. It's about what's happening in New York. Unsigned NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick uh, might as well have been seated next to the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, during Wednesday's news conference to officially announce the league's new partnership with Jay-Z. The former San Francisco 49er quarterback uh, presence was definitely in the room. Although Goodell and Carter both faced a volley of questions about Colin Kaepernick, who became a polarizing figure with the uh, the p- protesting police brutality, um, Jay-Z and NFL are together um, in a, a deal with Jay-Z's Rock Nation. My question is, when I saw this story about how Roger Goodell and Jay-Z came together, there's the first thing that came to my mind was, I don't know why. Why are they coming together? And if there is no financial windfall for Jay-Z, then why is he being involved in the NFL in any way, shape, or form? Because I think that if you know anything about Jay-Z, whether or not you're familiar with his music or not, whether you're familiar with his business practices with Rock Nation or not, I think that one of the things you do know for sure is that he is about business. And I think that his second act, besides what he does on the stage, is being a terrific um, businessman. And so that was my first thought is, like, why is this partnership taking place? Uh, some thoughts from the NFL Network, the Rock Nation partnership uh, and the announcement uh, with Roger Goodell and Jay-Z. Rock Nation, the entertainment company founded by rapper and businessman Sean Jay-Z Carter, is entering into a multi-year partnership with the NFL to enhance the NFL's live game experiences and to amplify the league's social justice efforts. As part of the agreement, Rock Nation will advise on the selection of artists for major NFL performances like the Super Bowl. Major components of the partnership will be to nurture and strengthen community through football and music, including through the NFL's Inspired Change Initiative, the NFL formally launching the Inspired Change Initiative in early 2019 after more than two years of work with NFL players with the goal of creating positive changes in communities across the country. Through this initiative, NFL teams and the league office work with the Players Coalition and other NFL players to support programs and initiatives that reduce barriers to opportunity with a focus on three priority areas, education and economic advancement, police and community relations, and criminal justice reform. Now on Monday, the commissioner telling the New York Times, quote, we don't want people to come in and necessarily agree with us. We want people to come in and tell us what we can do better. I think that's a core element of our relationship between the two organizations and with Jay-Z and I personally. Jalen Rose weighs in and talks about the Rock Nation deal. Why is this happening now? It's a standing ovation and a full embrace to the hip-hop culture, first and foremost. And for those that heard the lyric, Jay-Z saying that he was going to overcharge people for what they did to the Cold Crush... It's actually happening. So standing ovation, <clears throat> hip-hop. What does this mean for the hip-hop? What does this mean for the NFL? I'm sorry. That the shield for the last few years has not been bulletproof. People have been taking shots at it, whether it's about concussions or opioids, domestic violence, race relations, and even the office 
highest in the country. Let's just say that, taking shots at the NFL. So now, why does this part partnership with Rock Nation, and it's not sports, it's Rock Nation, mean so much to the NFL? It creates a level of validity, um, a, a level of credibility. And it's not an apology, and it's not an admission of guilt for the NFL to be doing this, in particular on, on, an owner like Robert Kraft, who was influential in trying to get Jay-Z with Roger Goodell, who they're both going to meet and sit down today for the world to see. It's just an opportunity to bridge a gap. And Jay-Z has created the level of autonomy, becoming a mogul to be able to now push this and take it a step forward and carry the baton to bring all sides into the room and, bring, and create a level of credibility that benefits all involved. Okay. I mean, that that's all sounds good, but I don't know. Again, I, the question still stands on why this has come together now. The, the the NFL needing hip hop credibility. Just I think that's just I think that it's a step in the right direction. I just don't know what what is the end game for it. See, the NFL to me is so far behind here. It's one step, but because of Sheriff Goodell and his time as commissioner in the NFL, it, to me it just it rings. It, first of all, there's desperation, obviously, because there's a disconnect between players and owners and Roger Goodell. That is, that's well documented. But the the idea that Jay Z is part of this, if there if there is no financial windfall to this, then I don't understand why this is happening. Um, because one thing for sure, the credibility across the landscape in basketball is there in the NBA. Um, so the NFL wants to have that kind of cred. If, if it starts with Jay-Z, great, but they're still light years behind the NBA in that regard. Light years behind. And this is all because of the Goodell era. And Now, yeah, I don't know if the NFL is ever going to even come close to the NBA as far as social justice, uh, being able to talk about things that are off the field, to be able to bring communities together about things that are going on in our country and in our neighborhoods. Um, it's a step, but it's... To me, the NBA, as soon as Silver took the chair, just like that, things changed because it didn't happen uh, in the previous administration for the NBA. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. What is the biggest issue with youth sports? The cost or are kids unwilling to participate due to other interests? There's a story that's written on ESPN.com, piece entitled, Kids Aren't Playing Enough Sports to Culprit, Cost. What do you think? Kevin in Lincoln Park with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, Kev. Hey, Hoodie. Thanks for taking my call, man. Um, I think it's important to differentiate between the cost to play recreationally and the cost to play, you know, significant competitive travel sports. When you're five, six, eight years old and you're playing at the park district, I mean, the cost is, what, $70 a season. You get a T-shirt that you get to reuse later for, you know, later in the year or for multiple sports. I think it's up to parents to really figure out whether or not, A, their kids are good enough at sports to be putting the financial resources into the high-level, you know, AAU programs in basketball, for example, and then, B, up to the kid to decide if he really wants to play and put in that time and effort, you know. It's really hard to play multiple sports anymore if you want to play at the next level, and those costs associated with it are what are going to help you, help you get there to an extent. And then once you get to the higher levels, you know, in high school with the AAU, a lot of those are sponsored and the costs are taken care of. So I'd imagine a lot of those costs that parents are incurring are for their own hotels, their own flights, for the extra equipment, for lessons to improve their kid if their kid is that good or wants to be that good or wants to play at that high level. 
Kevin, that's a great call. I'm glad you let us off. We appreciate the phone call. Now he leaves line open. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. George in Naperville with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, George. Hello. Hi, George. George? Hello. You are George, right? Yes. You, yes. Are, in, you are in Naperville, right? Yes. You're on ESPN right. 1000. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got five kids, and uh, yeah. you know they've kind of run the gamut of travel sports all the way through, uh, you know, just park district sports. And, in, and at least in our neighborhood, really, it, a lot of it was dictated by the parents. You know, you'd start out in park district sports, and then uh, you know within two or three years, or you know, second, third, fourth grade, a lot of these parents were very competitive. And if your son wanted to continue to play with their sons, uh, you almost had to migrate to travel. Uh, and, you know, travel sports, as the gentleman mentioned before me, um, you know, can be very expensive. And there's some clubs that, uh, you know, really require a lot out of you. You know, they'll start traveling all over, and, uh, you know, parents have to incur a lot of money, you know, to pay for that. Um, but also, you know, you've got uh, the park district, uh, at least in our neighborhood, in, in Naperville, started out where, like, for example, soccer, they didn't, have uh, a competitive league and within you know probably three or four years uh, of parents complaining that they didn't want uh, a league that just ended up without any playoffs they wanted something more competitive uh, they even forced the Naperville Park District to offer a competitive league. All right, George, we appreciate your phone call. Thanks for checking in as we go to Andy and Villa Park with Jonathan Hood as we talk about this column from ESPN.com. Kids aren't playing enough sports. The culprit cost. Hello, Andy. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. You know, I think the cost is certainly a factor. And may we all be so blessed that we could let our child do whatever they want regardless of cost. But I tend to agree with a couple of the previous callers with regards of uh, the prominence of club sports in our current era. And I don't have a child at the high school age. My boy's just six. Mm -hmm. But as an example of family and friends, uh, it's no longer okay to play, you know, volleyball in the fall and swim in the winter and you do golf in the spring, uh, to name randomly. Now if you play volleyball, you play volleyball seven days a week from sixth grade forward to the point of hopefully gaining that scholarship onto the next level. So I think some of my perception is that there's an exclusivity in the, you know, previous caller mentioned if, if your friend wants to keep playing with your child, you're, you're pulled that direction. And I, I can see that. But there's also an element of let the child explore and limit to a certain degree how dedicated to one track, right? We all want to grow up to be well-rounded people, and I think some of that can come from sport. Good call, Andy. Very well said. I appreciate your telephone call. All right, coming up, we will hear from Jesse with an update, oh, my God, on the uh, Cubs and the Phillies and also the video that broke ESPN.com from Michelle Steele regarding Tim Anderson. If you're a Sox fan, stay by your listening device for this. Tim Anderson is tremendous, really making inroads and making an impact, especially on youth sports. We'll talk about it coming up next. Jonathan Hood. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I don't care about what anybody has to say. Uh, I go out and do me. How would you describe the culture of Major League Baseball? Boring. 
I can say after the bat flip is when things got more interesting. But what you might not know about Tim Anderson is that that bat flip was no accident. I know that woke the black community up. A lot of black, black people don't watch baseball. When they see a black guy flip a bat, you know, that's, you know, he's one of us. The only African-American player on the White Sox is injecting some swagger into America's pastime, lending his own team some much-needed energy, but also winning him the admiration of some young players on the south side of Chicago. Hey, I want to play professional baseball, and I strive to be as close to him as possible. Ever since Tim Anderson's been in the league, I've always kept my eye on him and his stats, and he plays the game the right way, but yet still has fun with it, and that's what, that's what the game's all about to me. Donovan Noble and Winston Hill play for the Amateur City Elite, a baseball program that draws talent from some of the neighborhoods around the White Sox. See somebody on the TV and they look like you and, you know, you can impersonate them in the house and model, model your swing after them and your batting stance and your game. Like, I wear his number. I picked this number. So, it was for a reason. Because we're on the south side and uh, I am the only black guy on the team. So, what can I do? to motivate kids that's, you know, in, in tough areas to wake up and be the best that they can be. Playing in a league that's lost half of its African-American players since 1994 and on a team that was once home to Hall of Famers Frank Thomas and Harold Baines, Anderson embraces his larger-than-life role. If you see a guy that's, that's close to your area at a high-level plan and, and having fun, you know, I'm sure they, they're going to want to go out and do the same thing. When you mention baseball to other black people, uh, I want them to think of, of me. It motivates the culture to, you know, try to learn more about baseball. I think it motivates kids to try to get into baseball. I like being, being, being a black guy in baseball. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. We got a star on our hands on the south side of Chicago. That is the hottest audio or the hottest video on ESPN, especially on theundefeated.com. It is about Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox, polarizing for some, but really the next level when it comes to the Chicago White Sox. Glad you're with us here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The narrator for that piece was Michelle Steele from ESPN. She joins me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Michelle, as always, I appreciate your time. What did you learn from your sit-down conversation with Tim Anderson? Two things. Uh, one is, I, I think, to me, Tim Anderson needs to be one of the faces of Major League Baseball. You know, I do live on the north side, so maybe I am not in the area where the White Sox market aggressively, but he sure, certainly should be the face of White Sox baseball or one of the big faces of White Sox baseball because he is a guy who plays Jonathan with such unadulterated joy and who and who embraces who he is. You know, I asked him if he was going to, you know, quote unquote sort of do him this season because this is the first time that I've really seen him, you know, play with as much flair as we've seen him play with this year. And he said, yeah, I, I did decide before the start of the season that I was just going to do me, 
let it fly, be myself. And he said that he feels like it's given him more confidence. I mean, he certainly has had, um, even with the limited number of games that he's been able to play, is putting up career numbers. And the second thing that I was going to say about Tim Anderson is I was curious just how that flair on the field was translating. You know, I'm not the first person to cover Tim Anderson, how he plays his game, but I was um, excited to learn that kids who do play baseball on the White Sox travel team watch every single one of his at-bats and mimic his moves. So it was cool that we were able to cover that part of his story. Michelle, you and I have covered athletes for a lot of years, and we've covered a lot of different personalities. Is is Tim Anderson's swag or demeanor similar or different than other baseball players? There's a lot of aw shucks in baseball. Mm. Did you get that from Tim? I think it's very different. And I think that it is tied intrinsically to the decline, some would call it precipitous decline, of the number of African-American players in baseball clubhouses, uh, right? In another era, I really do believe that that Anderson would be one of many, many African-American players not necessarily singled out for his flair. I mean, you know, fans of a certain age will certainly remember, say, Ozzie Smith flipping on the field or Deion Sanders cutting his sleeves or the flair that the kid Ken Griffey used to play with. Barry Bonds and his one earring. I mean, the baseball was so cool that Michael Jordan wanted to play the game. So I think that he has a dramatically different personality for today's game because I think the mentality in the clubhouse right now is very much keep your head down, you know, don't react if you hit a home run, um, do what you need to do to kind of fit in, team first sort of mentality baseball just is not a sport any longer that encourages at least consciously encourages a sense of individuality or personality and when you look at the breakdown of a clubhouse you know it's dominated i would say mainly by white players a lot of them from the south and from the west and then latin americans latin americans make up over a quarter of baseball rosters so it's very much about team and less about personality michelle Steele, the narrator of the hottest video in the company right now the tim anderson video from espn <laughs> with me jonathan hood on under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn app i'm not asking for an answer i'm just kind of wondering out loud whether or not i wonder where that is on rob manfred's radar as far as african-americans in baseball every uh, year we look at the numbers and how they continue to go in the wrong direction and for, you, you want the sport to be inclusive. You want to be able to have a, a number of different cultures and personalities on the field as much as possible. I'm just wondering, I, I wonder out loud how Rob Manfred looks at those numbers. Well, I know that this was something that bothered Bud Selig, uh, enough to the extent that he started the RBI program, which mm-hmm. sought to encourage baseball specifically in inner cities. I have to think that this is on Manfred's radar, not because he's altruistic necessarily, but because baseball is a business. Does the African-American community need baseball? No, not necessarily. Does baseball need the African-American community? A hundred percent. There's just something, if you want to be called the national pastime and you want to be representative, 
I don't know if you can say that you are if you're not representing um, some of the best athletes in the country, right? I mean, we just saw this year Kyler Murray had a very attractive offer to go play baseball. In fact, I was talking to guys in NFL locker rooms this year who just assumed because of the money he will go and sign that MLB contract and, you know, not get hit all the time and go, you know, enjoy himself. But he chose football, and I have to think that it it isn't just because he knew he'd be starting as a quarterback right away. It's because baseball has lost that, that coolness factor, that it factor, and it knows it needs it back. I mean, and they're not the only sport. Look at the NFL signing a deal with Jay-Z this week, an admission that that league needs help um, to book the most relevant, biggest stars and to make inroads with the African-American community. You could argue that football's kind of taken its black fans for granted in the last couple of years, and they're trying to, trying to square that right now. I want to ask you about his interest, because... You know, when you talk to him about baseball and what is baseball like for him, he said boring. And maybe that's the truth for a lot of people. Maybe his truth is something that can resonate with other people. I asked him about his interest, uh, you know, away from the field. He was more interested in that than talking about baseball. So maybe that personality resonates with people that, you know, maybe we know what baseball is. It can be boring. And he said it out loud. Yeah, I think uh What's interesting about that is that he didn't come up a baseball player, right? He was a basketball player up until his junior year of high school. So that's kind of like the environment that he was in. He even said that his friends are literally learning about the game of baseball because they have a friend who plays shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. So he's somebody who can relate to a casual or even a non-fan who tunes into baseball in the middle of the day. He told me... He knows the game is boring to a lot of people. He knows that people are sitting on their couch watching TV or sitting at the game and eating their popcorn. You don't have to be locked in the entire time. And that's exactly why he said that he likes to be different as far as he plays the game. Doing something exciting, making the fans jump out of their seats, which he does. You know, I was watching the White Sox game this afternoon, and the two times that I kind of looked up, glanced up on my television, Tim Anderson had hit, hit a triple, and the next time I looked up, it was his fourth hit of the game. James, James McCann hit a grand slam after that, and the rest is history. But he is one of those guys that forces you to pay attention, and he wants to do that. I mean, this is part of it. Like, you think about the best players in baseball, whether it's Bryce um, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout or whoever, do you know anything about their personalities? Tim Anderson wants you to know about himself, and he embraces his identity, and he's unapologetic about it. I love this. Uh, Michelle Steele from ESPN with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The other great part of the piece, Michelle, is just that just other youth baseball players, as you mentioned, are really into Tim Anderson and want to mimic what he does because it just shows you the influence. It's not like Anderson's been around for 10 years. It's just it just seems like the bat flip heard around the world for for people to see Anderson and want to know more about him. That says a lot for the influence for especially young African-Americans that are interested in playing uh, baseball from the youth level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We talked to a few players, actually, on the travel baseball team that's sponsored by the White Sox. And let's just, you know what, let's just give credit to the White Sox for doing this. Travel baseball is so expensive. So many kids are turned off 
by by baseball and by sports in general because of the fees and the equipment and the uniforms and the cleats and everything else. And they pay for all that. So uh, they sponsor the Amateur City Elite, and I talked to a few of their players, kind of spent the day around them. And they all said they don't, you know, they, they're not going to games all the time. They see him on TV, but they see a guy that looks like them and that you can impersonate in your house. You can model your swing after him. You can model your batting stance, your your game, your number, if you're lucky enough to get number seven. So I think that Tim Anderson is incredibly aware of his impact, and I think what makes him such an important player on this roster is that not only does he have that self-awareness, but he's doing something about it. He is active in the community, and I have to give props to his wife, too, Bria. Um, they have a foundation called League of, of Leaders where they do events for kids in the surrounding area, specifically African-American kids in the surrounding area in Bronzeville, um, in a place that means so much to black Chicago. And we're seeing some of the results. You know, I have no doubt in my mind that there are kids who are watching Tim Anderson who are going to be playing in the majors one day. I have no doubt. Michelle, uh, lastly, uh, along those same lines, uh, you and I both saw the Kelly Cohn piece on ESPN.com entitled uh, Kids Aren't Playing Enough Sports, The Culprit Cost. So the, the question we asked earlier is, what is the biggest issue with youth sports? Is it the cost or is it kids unwilling to, to you know participate due to other interests? I think that it could be a little bit of both. But when I saw the breakdown financially of how much some of these sports cost for, for kids, that's a ton. I, I don't care how much you, much you make. It's a ton. It's quite the financial investment for a child. Yeah, it's just an outgrowth, Jonathan, I think, of just the increasing inequality that we see everywhere. And it's not just sports. The fact is, is that participation actually is increasing. I did a little bit of homework on this, is increasing in some upper income uh, levels, upper income communities. It's decreasing. It's plummeting in low income households. And I get it. Uh, if you're somebody who's trying to just make your bills every month, you're not going to have an extra 400 bucks or even more than that for your kid to play baseball. And I'm not even talking about travel leagues that are going to be a lot more than that. You know, some of my social followers were saying that nowadays you have to have the bat, you have to have uh, your own helmet, and that stuff really, really adds up. So pay-to-play is not working for a lot of people. And that's a kind of an existential threat to a lot of these leagues, to any league, because you're going to have the most hardcore fans are going to be the ones who used to play the game. So if they're not coming up and playing the game, there's going to be an issue 10, 20 years down the line. I really don't know what the answer is uh, other than, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe every kid, every kid doesn't have to have a bat or a helmet, right? right. I mean, they just, the certain parents just need to... Pump the brakes a little bit, you know? Let little Bobby or Sammy or whoever just uh, share. <laughs> share their equipment. That's, that's, right at you. that's right at you, Bobby and Sammy, if you're listening to the program. Bobby and Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, or is, that, is, that, is that Bobby or Sammy with an I, Michelle? Is that is that where you're going? Is that, an I? Yeah, of course, of course. Okay. Rebecca, whoever it is. <laughs> okay, there's no I in Rebecca, but I understand. Sorry, um, I'll have to choose. Okay, I'll, I'll have to choose a you know 
name that can go either way. Jordan. Right. <laughs> Peyton. I don't know. <laughs> you, Michelle, still have the hot... You've got the hottest video on ESPN, and again, uh, we appreciate you coming on the program because that was uh, a lot of fun to see Tim in that light and you being able to narrate that. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to next year. Get excited. White Sox baseball. Yeah, but it's about time. As a Sox fan, I'm looking forward to it, too. 2020, here I come, hopefully, right? (laughs) Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's Michelle Steele from ESPN with us here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. One question is next. Hey, yo, Jay Hood. Talk that barbershop talk, dude. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We've got summer football coming your way at the top of the hour here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll get a chance to talk some college football with Mark Packer from the ACC Network. What's going on with college football this upcoming season. We'll get to that coming up uh, at their sports center right here on ESPN 1000. You know, some people just don't have time for an entire conversation. We're, we work weeknights. People are busy with family, dinner, plans, going to games. But sometimes people have at least the time enough to spend with us for one question. Did you guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. It's time for one question with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I told Eric, I told Sean, go through your address book. I'll go through mine on my phone. Go through the S's, go through the L's, go through the... The M's go to the V's. V, V, stop right there. V, I, N, Vincent Goodwill. Yes. The Yahoo senior basketball writer is with me, Jonathan Hood, for one question right here on ESPN 1000. What's up, Vincent? <laughs> is, that the, is that the one question? <laughs> you want it to be? <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> it's, I know you're busy. So that's why. <laughs> okay. All right, Vincent. Are you ready, my friend, for one question? Let's do it. Okay, Vincent Goodwill, Yahoo Sports, senior basketball writer. Vincent, the question I have for you is this. What is the best locker room story you can tell me in your career that you were involved with? That I was involved with? Wow. Okay. Uh, I will say that I wrote a story about a player when I was uh, covering the Detroit Pistons. This was uh, very early in my career, in my mid-20s. And I wrote a story about a player that was not very flattering. And back in those days, and it's still now, you write a story about a player he doesn't like, you got to show up in the locker room the next day and be able to face the music. Like, sometimes the guy has to showboat a little bit for his peers. Sometimes he just has to show everybody that he's tough, all those other different things. So I am in the locker room. That player is not there. And with me availability for an hour or whatever it is, uh, you kind of have to sit in there and wait for the player to show up. I waited for the player to show up. He didn't show up. I was talking to another player at the locker, and he says he notices that I have my back turned. And he says, uh, trouble's coming your way in three, two, one. And then the player says, I know your MFN blank isn't in my MFN locker room. And I said, hey, are we going to talk or are you going to cuss me out? And he said, I'm going to cuss you out. And he went back and forth. He said what he had to say. He didn't call me the two magic words, mm. so I didn't feel the 
fit to actually go back on and let him blow off some steam. I kind of chuckled along with him, not at him, because that would have been escalated even more. But suffice to say, the story though, and the subsequent uh, verbal uh, discussions that we got into <laughs> led to me and this player not having talked for six to seven years. We've actually reconciled now because he's actually a member of the media uh, since he's retired. But getting cussed out in a locker room with his teammates there, his teammates knew what was coming, I knew what was coming, kind of had to chuckle at it and let it go. But that was the most interesting thing that has happened to me since I've been in the NBA locker room. Vince Goodwill, I'm going to see you in an NBA arena or I'm going to see you at NABJ at Washington, D.C., and you're going to fill in the blank for me. you got to promise me. Oh, it, it, look, trust me. Trust me. We can, we can fill in the blank. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is one question. I tried to show You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yeah. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show And the ESPN app. Yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Young and flame here in sickle mode. <laughs>